I think the whole game of business is very simple. The whole game of life, really. But it's be you and share that with the world. That's it. That's the whole thing. We, we just need to be you. And it's, it's the simplest and hardest thing in the world because we learn from a young age that we need to be something other than what we are to be loved. We, we put all these things up that are not you, like the renting the jet plane, right? So we can pretend to be something that we're not. What we're all craving is just that raw realness of people instead of covering it up with stuff and then share that with the world. Everything clicks when you do that. Welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast about growing yourself and your business profitably. So I've got Kelvin here. Kelvin is an awesome guy. And uh, I've I've seen you build your business. You, you're building Simplero. You've been doing it for quite a while. And you've had a pretty huge economic impact in the lives of your customers. I think I saw on, on your website, um, and maybe it's updated now, it's like basically $500 million of economic impact that your customers have generated directly from the, through your platform. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Um, that, that, is, that is so cool. And so Kelvin, I would love to just dig into you, your story. Um, and, but let's start off with, with the simple, like where did the idea of Simplero come from and what is it? And yeah, we'll go from there. Oh, it's actually perfect timing. So the idea of Simplero came because I was, I'd gone through a, at that point, like five year spiritual awakening journey. Uh, I was very spiritual as a kid and then shut that down for a variety of reasons. And then, um, there, I, there's a life event that, that kind of brought that into focus for me again, that kickstarted a five year journey. And then at the end of that journey, I had a moment where I sat down and I asked life or God or the universe, what is it I'm here to do on this planet? And, and the answer that came to me very clearly was I'm here to integrate spirituality and entrepreneurship. So that our business becomes an expression of our soul's purpose here on this earth. I was like, that's fucking it. It was like, it was one of those moments where it just, it just landed as a complete package. Like I could see the vision. There's going to be a, a fund where we invest in companies based on these principles. I'll be, I'll teach people, um, you know, the spiritual growth side and, and mentor them as entrepreneurs and all these things. And then I was like, I need to teach this stuff to other people. How do I do that? So our our business becomes an expression of our soul's purpose. Mm-hmm. Can you unpackage that a little bit? How do you define that? Like, if you were to expand that out a little bit, one hundred percent. Well, I mean, I think that the, the way I think of it is that that we're we're hanging out at the at the Sky Club somewhere, right? Without you know, beside outside of the three D world as souls, as spirits, and we're like, let's let's take a tour. To planet Earth and just go through this experience of life. Let's do it. Like, all right, I'm going to play the sun. You'll play the dad. I'll play the boss. I'll play the whatever. And then you kind of come to Earth and then you come for a reason. There's something that you want to learn. There's something that you want to share. There's something, some experience you want to have. There's a reason you came here. It's just that the moment we're born, we forget that. Like, zap, like men in black, we forget. And so now our job here on Earth is to figure out what that was and start living that. And I think there is a, there is a purpose. There is a reason that we each chose, chose to come here. And for those of us who are called to have a business, like let's express that in the business, right? If you're, if you're going through the motions, all the troubles, all the hassle of building a company, building a team, building products, building all these things. And it's not your purpose. What you feel like you came here to do, like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if it is, then you will never fail because you won't, you'll just keep at it. You'll just attack it from a different angle. From a different, like failure is part of it. Failure is a tonic. Failure is how we grow. And it's kind of that, that awakening that says, no, uh-uh, not that. No, like this way, guys. It doesn't mean that we're wrong in where we're going. It just means that that particular method wasn't the right one. But if you're, what you're doing is not what you came here to do, then it's like, oh, no. You give up, right? But if you, if it's what you know in your heart, this is why I'm freaking here. I'm going to figure this shit out. Or I'm going to die trying. Then you'll keep going. And that, like, now we just solved the whole startups fail problem. 
<laughs> I yeah. So so then so you created Simplero because you know this is your soul's purpose. So how like yeah, I created it because I wanted I I realized I wanted to be teach this stuff to others, and I discovered this amazing vehicle of online courses. I'm like, that's amazing. Can I? I'm I was scared of human beings. I was terrified. The reason I got really good at programming was that I I could do that without seeing any humans because I was bullied in school and humans were scary and they would say nasty things and make me feel stuff. But if I did an online course, I didn't have to sit face to face with anyone and look at their... I had this fear of people's eyes looking at me in a weird way and I would feel super wrong. I'm like, ah. So online courses, I could sit home, I could record it and I could put it out there. I didn't have to look anyone in in the eyes. Like, this is amazing. Let me do that. And then quickly I realized that this was a platform that could enable other people who were coaches or educators or spiritual teachers or whatever they are to reach their people and support them in their work. So are you, do you know what your Myers-Briggs personality profile is? INFP. Okay. So, so it's starting with introvert. Introvert. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I met you, I don't think I would have immediately assumed you were an introvert mm-hmm. because you are a very um, outgoing person. Like b- even before I met you, uh, you had written a song on a piano and sung it and performed it. And I saw it, it was on a, uh, I think it was a virtual event. And it was just like, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And some people are so talented. That was just like my thought. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's interesting. So you you obviously, you have all this talent and this gifting, but it's been a journey to get to the place to where you are now because I see you always on on Facebook doing your Facebook lives and you're you're constantly um you know connecting with people in different ways. So but you started it coming from a different place. So so what was that transition like to go from, you know, like you said, you got into programming so that you didn't have to be face to face and now you're I'd say face to face probably pretty often. Yeah, well, a lot is still online, but it was really, it's not that recent or sorry, not that long ago. It was really in like almost five years ago now. I got to Necker Island, um, with, uh, Sir Richard Branson and a handful of other or a couple dozen other entrepreneurs. And, um, that was my coming out moment from up until that time. I was mostly sitting like by myself in front of the computer. Doing actually still writing the code for my software company myself. And that year went to Necker, met a bunch of entrepreneurs. And I was like, Oh, right. You could, I was scared of networking. My dad always told me you should network with some people. I hated that word. And I hated that idea. Like, what do I go talk to them about? What do I say? I don't know. It's awkward. Um, but that was, it was, I think it was like the fact that I was stranded. If you will, not really stranded, but I was stuck on a, on a, on an island with 30 other people for a week and I couldn't escape. It forced me to confront my feelings, my fears. And so it really kind of put me back into my school years and all those feelings of being wrong and being the outsider and being inadequate and being bullied and all that stuff. It, not that anybody bullied me. But that whole feeling of being the outsider and the odd one out and all that stuff, it brought all that stuff out. So it was a very emotional trip for me. But at that point, I'd done so much work that I knew how to process it. So like actually feel the feelings and be with it and not run away from it. But that was my opening before that, like very much isolated. So I'm still sort of in the middle, like close introvert, introvert, extrovert, but it's definitely like I, I think the definition is more like, where do you derive energy from? Right? So I recharge when I'm alone versus other people who recharge when they're with other people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I'm, I'm probably right in the middle. I think mm-hmm. I recharge when I'm with other people. Um, and then there are, there are seasons or moments where I just will, you know, I need to be alone. Yeah. And, and then I'm like regaining that energy and I'll go on those hikes or, um, or I'll just read a book or, spend time quietly and then you know that energy is now back. So mm-hmm. so Simplero, like just for anybody who's listening, what is Simplero? What does it do? You 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 discovered this course creation space, but you discovered it early, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you discover it early? And then what is Simplero today? Yeah, I discovered it in 2008. Um and it was literally just Googling around how do I sell a a, a seminar or something on spiritual growth for entrepreneurs. 
and and discovered the first thing I came across was Jeff Walker's uh, product launch formula 2.0 in 2008, and I bought it, and it was scary as heck. It was two thousand dollars. It was I was living in Copenhagen. It was from this American, and it was all this scammy looking internet marketing stuff that as a programmer, as a techie, I had learned to really like, oh, like we don't like, you know, we look, really look down on this stuff. This is 2008. So mm-hmm. stuff wasn't like at the level it is today. There was no, mm. yeah, there's no videos about stuff. It's just, there were yeah. videos, there were videos, but it was nowhere like what it is today. No, the scale of it was, is, is completely different today. It was much more like weird you know, sideshow kind of thing. But I bought it and I just did the thing and it worked and it was amazing. Um, and it, it, it helped me at that point. I was still living as a freelance programmer. I had, I'd built a software consulting firm to 13 people and we were doing contracts for MIT and for Greenpeace International and some other big organizations. And then I realized I don't like running a consulting firm. So I had just wound all of that down. So it's just me doing some freelance work, but I wanted to get out of that freelance work. Because I was like, this is not, I want to do product. Um, but I didn't know what to do. I tried a couple times different things. I tried it like a magazine and I tried a, a job hunting website with rewards and different things with different people. It was like, I was hoping that I, I felt wrong. So I was hoping if I could hatch myself to someone who had the magic success sauce, then I would be successful. You know, they would make me successful if I just right. associate with them. And it didn't work. It didn't work. But it was, it was that feeling of like, well, I like, I do this and I do that. Like, let me try this. Let me try that thing. And that was, I think that was the big thing for me when I, when I, when I, like I told you about in 2008, it was like landed my purpose. I'm here to integrate spirituality and entrepreneurship. It makes a huge difference because everything I did after that moment fit into that lens. Everything's fit together into a, a tapestry of a f- complete picture. Whereas before I was trying all kinds of random stuff. And when they didn't immediately succeed, I didn't have the passion or the, the desire to see it through. Um, so Simplero became uh, the, the all-in-one platform for coaches or course creators or educators or consultants online. People who live off of selling their, their knowledge or their expertise or their, just their, their beingness, if you will. Um, so everything from your website to shopping cart to funnels and membership sites and video hosting and affiliate pro- tracking and like all of it in one package. Because I hate it that you had to glue together all these different tools and figure out how to make them work together. And then like they didn't quite gel. And like it's just a nice, it's super complicated. And I wanted to make it simple. Yeah. And simple, simplero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that one of your guiding values? Simplicity, making it simpler. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's my medicine too. Cause I, I, I feel like I think it's human nature to make some stuff complicated. And I think a lot of times it's because we're confused or because we're scared. So we're like, I'm not really sure. I was like this way or that I was like, I'll oh, just do both. Right. So you don't make the decision and then you just like just builds up over time. And I have that tendency too. And I realized that, that a big thing for me was feeling wrong. So I needed to add all kinds of things to as like smoke and mirrors so people didn't notice that I was wrong. Right. And like that, like, I think that deep inner feeling that we're broken somehow or flawed, there's something wrong with us. I think it's very, not everybody, but a lot of people have that. And I definitely had that a lot. And that adds so much complication to my life. So my medicine is always make it simpler. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I was at, um, it was at an event in LA, um, <clears throat> not that long ago. Sorry, sorry for anybody listening. I'm fighting this. Um, I'm overcoming this cold. I'm basically over it, but just my voice. But the uh, at this event, you had uh, oh, what's his name? Tim Grover speaking. Tim Grover mm. was uh, Michael Jordan's trainer for 15 years, and he trained Kobe Bryant. Yeah, and uh, just a really interesting guy. I'd heard him speak on a podcast before, and I thought, wow, this guy's really humble. But when he comes out on the stage, you're like, is he is he this is he humble or is he not humble? Right? Like you just don't know. So I'm I'm I was there listening. I'm wanting, excited to hear what he has to say. And he comes out and he is humble. And the thing though that struck me about what he had to say is he talked about success in this analogy of a lock. And he said that 
it's like a three combination lock. And the first two of the um, combos of the, of the lock are almost worn bare. And, but we've figured them out. It's the third one. The funny thing is, is we're working on the third one and it's, it's like as soon as we crack it, the, you, you unlock it, but then the entire combination changes. And so it's, it's just this like never ending process of like unlocking the, um, combination to that next step, unlocking the combination. And so it's like a life is like a journey, but it's also this really interesting puzzle as we solve. But as he was getting to that, he started to dig a little bit deeper. And he was saying that the, actually sometimes the unlocking isn't so much outside of us. It's unlocking ourselves to basically say like, what is it that the front is that we're putting in front of people that's inauthentic or it's not real? And he was, he, he said like he discovered this recently because you know he's traveling around the states uh doing and and uh doing all these speaking tours and he says that there's these private jets that are getting rented out to influencers and the influencers aren't even flying them but they're buying packages just so they can go in front of the jet take their photo do their thing and then post on Instagram and then leave and go home and it's and he's like he's like that's somebody who's pretending but the reality is, is that so many people are pretending in so many different smaller ways. And he asked everybody to like pull up their phone and pull out their picture on Facebook. And he says, like, how many of you look like this picture? Mm. And the room kind of goes quiet. And uh, the guy beside me turns to me. He's like, I look like my picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, but for there's a lot of people you could just hear is like a little uncomfortable. And so then he says, well, what else are you faking? Like, what else are you pretending? And then why? The question becomes why. And so it's like the unlock um, analogy, you can start to see it apply to so many other levels. And it was just like, you know, if because what are we afraid of? What have we given permission to somebody else in our life that we're so concerned that they're going to feed back into us? Whereas what if we took that lock back? And we realize that it's actually our our permission to give that lock to somebody or someone else. They don't have to hold it all the time. Yeah. And so he, he really went deep into that and that was a great talk. It was, it was amazing. It's recorded. I've, um, I, I really appreciated that, that talk, but it's, it was, uh, basically the point is, is that everybody, there's nobody in this world who doesn't have things that they've experienced. And then they've, it's like, basically it's like, I, it's not necessarily that people are faking things, but it's just like, it's like a protective barrier and they don't want to necessarily have that revealed to everybody all the time. Yeah. But then there's that forcing function when you do it intentionally like you force yourself into an island with 30 people that you can't get out of <laughs> yeah. where where you're like okay actually i let go of that one layer and i was okay and i let go of that other layer and i was okay and that that can be very powerful yeah i think the whole game of business is very simple the whole game of life really but let's just just focusing on, on business it's be you and share that with the world that's it that's the whole thing. We, we just need to be you. And it's, it's the simplest and hardest thing in the world because we learn from a young age that we need to be something other than what we are or we think we do to be loved. And so that's what we, we, we put all these things up that's like, that are not you, like the jet, the jet, the renting the jet plane, right? So we can pretend to be something that we're not. When what, what we're all craving is just that raw realness of people. And to me, it's like we're that soul's purpose, calling that energy that we that that makes us alive, whatever that is. At instead of covering it up with stuff, and then share that with the world, and then everything, everything, everything clicks when you do that. So I'll I'll relate to that to a story. I remember when I started my very first company, uh, Saint Clothing, and. It was an interesting experiment. I started it not as a company, I started as an experiment. And the idea was similar to, to, to your journey, but it's, it's, it's like, if I do something that I feel that I'm created to do, will it be successful? Even if it's not the path that somebody else has laid out for me. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and at the time, I was uh, I was thinking I was scared because I was like, well, I, I really like drawing. I like creativity. I like uh, design. What if I I started using my art, my passion for art, and put like, created as a business? So I started this clothing company. But then my question became, will people accept me? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, will my 
um, my future father-in-law, what would he think about it? I had all, cause he's in construction. And I was like, I had all of these, these sort of like niggling unknowns. And the reality is, is that when I did that business, the exact opposite thing happened because I was doing something that was so like rooted in, in my nature, just to what you were describing. Uh, not only did people accept that, they loved it. It was like the amount of doors that opened, opened doors to really cool musicians and artists. And I got to go, got invited to these really cool shows. I, it's like I got invited to so many different events, like skateboarding, snowboard. Like I, it was just like door after door after door opened. And Amazing. the reality is, is, I saw that it's like when we are willing to be, you know, who we are, we, we really are designed to be, or like work in the strengths and the skills and the talents that we have. But do it in a in a way that's aligned with whatever the outlet is. It's so much more effective and productive. Yeah. And so it's funny because I had success, so I just checked it off a box. It was like a green check mark, and I was like, "Oh, it was so successful, great!" And then I shut it down because <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was an experiment. It was never meant to be anything more than that. And so it was just like taking off, and I was like, "Wow, awesome. so cool!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what? Like, why did you shut it down? And what? Did, what? Because that it was it was it was successful. Like, I I did it for about uh, three years, and I, it was um, it got to the point where I was taking like forty hours a week, and I was still in university. And mm. I thought, you know, I at that time I thought I was going to get into like international law or mm. something, and it just never occurred to me that this could become my my future that business entrepreneur, like, it's just, it was an experiment. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was cool. Cause I was selling online at that time back before like e-commerce was even a thing. Mm. And I had all these clients or not, but there were customers, like people ordering um, from like even Australia, mm. people were buying from, and it was just, it was just neat. It was such a, it was such a fun experience. I, I was reading a book recently about, about relationships and about how we fall in love with people who have certain characteristics. But one of the things that really stood out to me in the book was how, how we get into this pattern of trying to be someone who, are, who we're not. So what happens is that, that from the age from around zero to, from zero to around one, we're pretty much only getting dopamine. Like, you know, we're connecting with our moms typically mostly. And there's this like right brain to right brain connection and dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. Um, and then after age one, we start to crawl and walk and get into trouble. And then our parents are going to say, no, right? Don't do that. Step out of that. Like careful. You could hurt yourself to protect us. They have to do it. But what happens in the brain is, is we go from adventure dopamine to now no shame nor adrenaline in the brain. And that shame feeling is so destructive, like so big for us as a one-year-old child. We can't handle it. And when we don't, what the, uh, the parent ideally does is they, they, they comfort us, pick us, us up or hold us or get us back into that dopamine state of love. Hey, it's not you, it's the behavior. I can't have you do that because you could be get in trouble. Not with words, obviously but with body language and connection. But when that doesn't happen, which of course, in many cases, it doesn't happen. What happens is we, we get that split between self-worth, I'm wrong, and then we try to fill it with self-esteem, achievement. If I behave a certain way, then I get love, then I feel safe, then I'm whatever. But, that, but no amount of achievement and self-esteem can make it up for that lack of self-worth. And this is where that split is. And so we, we, over years, years and years and years, we adapt behaviors that we think are going to get, get us the love that we're truly seeking. And what we need to realize is that that's never going to work. And that love is already in there. And the only person who can give us that love today is ourselves and just decide that we are lovable. But I mean, there's a process of of healing that 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 wound that happened at that time, but this is this is it. I would I would venture, yeah, I would venture to say that that a huge percentage of entrepreneurs are carry this. Hundred percent. I think that's why we why we become entrepreneurs. Yeah, because it's it's that achievement cycle, and it, it it's really rooted in what you were describing there. If we don't feel a sense of um, of security. Mm -hmm. 
through the attachment that we should have had when we were, um, you know, one or two. And uh, we will look for that security outside of, of um, relationship. And so, or, so it, so it kind of, it manifests itself in, in a couple different ways. Like one of them is, is that where it's like, a, like an um, attachment uh, or security through achievement. But then there's there's other times it can be um, security through others, and so people will place like a lot of of um, responsibility on somebody else, but it's not actually their responsibility. It's that they've misaligned their sense of security and they've placed it somewhere else. And so, um, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs do it the, the other way. Like they maybe pull relationships back, and then what happens is that society places a value on something. Anything it could be anything. It's just that society praises um, athletics. Society praises entrepreneurship. So, like society praises medical doctors or lawyers. And because of that, that observation of a praise, and we're looking for security, we naturally then go and pursue the thing that was praised, so that we get a sense of security. Totally. And it may or may not be aligned with what we were meant to do as humans. It's like a plant, right? That that grows towards the light. You know, like the, we develop that side where we get, get light and love. Yeah. Or praise, as you say, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think the opportunity is for, so, so this is where entrepreneurs will get into that trap where they think, well, another million or another supercar or another beach house or another, like whatever it is, is going to do it. It's not going to do it. And the opportunity is to, to switch energy so that we're not creating from that achievement, hoping that that's going to fill the void because the void is there, but filling the void from the inside. And now we're creating from a sense of giving of, of love of like, I have so much creativity and love that I want to share with the world. And what I find is that everybody who goes through that journey is scared of, am I going to lose my drive? Am I going to lose my drive? Like I was reading a book about stand-up comics uh, some years back. I did some stand-up comedy. I got into, into that. It was a, a, a fun adventure for me. I did. Yeah. You did? Um, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but this is the thing. Yeah. Like you got, you, comics is the same exact thing. The reason you become a comic is because as a kid, you realized when you made people laugh, it gave you that feeling of love. It was the same, same shit, right? You feel unworthy, unlovable. So now I do realize this behavior gives me that feeling, that, that approval, recognition from the audience that makes me feel loved for a second. The void is still there. It doesn't fill it. Same thing with like an Elvis Presley, right? You see him. He, he, he goes on stage, has connection, like amazing gifts and talents that he developed and built and, and, and he could feel filled up for a moment. But then what happens after you go back to your hotel room and you're all fucking alone. And so you go from that high to that low, low. And so what do they, and same with comedians, you go on stand up com comic, you go on stage, you have a thousand people in the audience there, you're killing it. They're laughing so much, like feel amazing. Go back to your hotel room. You're all fucking alone. What do they do? Drugs, right? So now they try to fill that void with drugs. Um, but what they're not, they're not actually trying to fill the void. They are maybe, but the, what they're really trying to do is they're trying to, medicate the lack yeah. of dopamine like you were saying they're trying to medicate the the symptoms mm -hmm. which is keeping them in a place where it's never getting better 100% exactly right and so it's going to kill them and so for entrepreneurs it's the fear is like if i if i if i actually plug this hole for real with love with a real thing am i going to lose my drive and the answer is you probably will for at least a few weeks or a month or maybe a couple of months but then the uh, until until you recalibrate that drive around something that's exactly. much much not only more sustainable but much stronger and meaningful and fulfilling and everything else exactly yes it's going to propel you to the next level but there's that period where you're like like you lose that drive yes yeah there's there's i think there's a fear that people have that that maybe have recognized this but they're like well if i lose the lie is the belief the the is that if i lose this drive then that I will lose my my secret weapon that's driving me to success. But the reality is, is it's actually your Achilles heel. And if you could let it go and replace it with a much more powerful drive, 
an internal drive, you will be able to run without stumbling. You won't ever experience that like that feeling that you just described because mm-hmm. it will be completely eradicated. Now, I have a relationship with God. And so for me, I, I'm really curious for you. Like you said, like you can do it, but the only one that can do it is yourself. So I'm so what is your process? I have no idea we're going to talk about <laughs> yeah, this, by the yeah. way, but I love it. I love it. I still got, but I got more questions, but it's um, how, how do you, like, what's the process to, um, to confront it, if that's the right word, and then, and then move, move beyond it so that you, you have an internal love or sense of security. So for, first for me, I have, I adopt it. A way of thinking about this at, that I got originally from from uh, from Gandhi, who said, "God and love and truth are all synonyms. They're all they all mean the same thing." And um, so, to me, that like God, love, truth, light, universe, whatever, like those are all the same thing. And that's the energy that that, that animates and holds everything together in my in my mind. Yeah, I agree with you. And the only one I would uh, I would personally remove is universe because universe is material and God is much bigger than anything material. I think it's like the capital U universe kind of thing, life, capital L life yeah. or something, yeah. But I hear I hear you. And I think it is, I mean, that you need that you need that higher power to recognize that that it's like the way I so in terms of actual process for me healing work connecting with that inner boy who was hurt back then and comforting him and being that that father that he wished he had back then today that's the core of the work that I do and that I've done just reconnect with that boy over and over again give him the love and the care and the holding and all of that that he needed back then today so time travel go back to a situation that happened that you can remember or can't remember. Like it doesn't have to be details or whatever, just whatever comes up, go back to that situation, be with him, walk him through it. Or just in, in my mind's eye picture, holding him, being there with him, giving him that love that he didn't get back then. That's kind of the essence of it. And then like remembering that, that this whole illusion that I'm separate from anything or anyone is an illusion. It's a very pervasive illusion, right? It's very easy to get sucked into, but hey, it's all just one, one consciousness that we're part of. So me sitting here judging myself is just like weird. <laughs> right? It's like, it's, it's, um, and that, and that's, I think part of the, yeah, I think that's part of it is that is recognizing that it's, it's, it's me judging myself. Like, like nobody else there is judging me. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who's holding the judge. And so the analogy would be if there's a dance floor, I might look at the dance floor and I might be standing on the side of it, not going on the dance floor because I'm afraid of being judged, but nobody's judging anybody. They're all on the dance floor. Yeah. And so, but it's, so it's me judging me. And once I recognize that those, those. And me judging the people on the dance floor, probably. Maybe because I'm, I'm, I'm projecting what I'm judging myself of. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's that, um, verse in the Bible, it's like, don't judge lest you be judged. And so it's like, but the, the real lesson there is really don't judge because otherwise we're probably going to judge ourselves by it. Mm-hmm. The, the, like the, the stick we use, we, we use on ourselves. And so I think that's, and that's huge. And it's been a big struggle for me is, is as well is recognizing that it's not up to me to judge my work either. Like I, like I said in the beginning, I think the job of, of, us in business to be ourselves and share that with the world. But when we start judging that and be like, oh no, it's not good enough yet. Like I need to, uh, before I can put it out in the world. Now I'm judging it. I'm blocking it. I'm, I'm, I'm preventing other people from having access to it. And it's just my own judgment. They might, like I might have something that could completely transform someone's life today and open their hearts in ways that they, nobody else can because of my spe- specific voice. Not because it's better or worse, but just because like, for whatever reason, that's the thing that re- resonates with them. But now because I'm judging it, I'm holding it in. I'm not giving them that opportunity. So I'm, and I'm stealing from them as well as from myself. And not just with 
ourselves in that very specific way, but also with our products and services. And I've done this so much. I've looked at my thing. I'm like, oh, it's not good enough. It needs to be better. Like, blah, blah, blah. Constantly waiting for it to be better. And it's never going to, like, it's always gets better, but it's never going to get good enough for that voice. Cause that voice is not about the thing. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's such a fascinating thing. I'm, um, and so, so you've got to this place where you've, so, you're 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 coming back to yourself as a child and you're meeting yourself there and then you're being the the um the carer that you really needed in that situation and it's almost like you're recreating that memory but you're creating it in a place that's much healthier 100% and you you rewire your brain in that moment yeah and and you rewire an impulse because maybe like before you would encounter something that would subconsciously face that that situation as a child, but it's no longer there. And all of a sudden you're walking life differently because you dealt with the real issue. Um, I, I heard this, this, this lady, she, she gave a talk, she would give a Ted talk and she's works with like children and counseling and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, she, she laughed cause she said, she's like, just so you know, like, nobody's perfect as a parent. Like she's like, I'm not a perfect parent. And then she like went through all these instances of where she's like absolutely failed. And she's like, Oh, and by the way, I, this is my PhD. And so, um, she said, so like the art is, it's not to worry about like being a perfect parent. It's about becoming really great at repair. Mm-hmm. And I, I even think like in business, in our, in our business environment, like becoming really great at repair is really important too. Like, like with our, with our team or our, like, you know, the people that we're working with on a one on one basis, just like recognizing that sometimes we're not going to lead the way that we, we, we aspire to lead. You know, we're not, we're not going to be there a hundred percent of the time and that's okay. But if we get really great at repair, you know, get really great repair with ourselves, get really great at repair with our families, with our wives, our spouses, with our children, but get really great at repair with our team as well. That is really the key because it's it's not so much about being perfect on the execution side, but if we can get excellent at the repair, not perfect, but excellent. So it's like where that's where um, a lot of growth is now able to happen. Yeah, nothing is about being perfect. It's about being us. And part of that is, is oh shoot, I, I fucked up and... How can I make it right? Yeah. And and sometimes it's just like I publicly confronted somebody on my team and then afterwards recognized wrong moment, wrong situation, and it was public. And I was like, oh, I really messed up. So now I need to publicly apologize to the entire team and let them know where I went wrong. And I did it and I had to do it. I was like, I was like, I got to eat humble pie, (laughs) but because my team needs to know how much this matters. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like I was wrong. And I, and if I can be okay being wrong, then how much more of an environment can I create with the team? Yeah. And it's hard. (laughs) It's hard. Cause even after you, like you do it. Why was it hard? Why was it hard for you? Oh, it's so hard because it's like probably ties to the um, the achievement security. It's the opposite of having that security from achievement because it's like I'm publicly acknowledging that I'm imperfect. So what I'm really acknowledging to myself is I'm imperfect. Mm. And then that means where's my security coming from? That's I think that's where it's hard. Yeah, it's where it's hard. It's, you, humility is something that's like really easy to learn. It's hard to practice, but once you do practice it, it's really easy. Yeah, well, if you, and if your security doesn't come from you being perfect, because you're spoiler alert, you're not right. You're amazing. You're not perfect. Thank God. <laughs> it's not even about you, right? It's just about connecting with people and realizing that you, as you said, eating humble pie in that moment. What it does is it allows them to connect with you deeper. So you actually get more love from it, except you're busy telling yourself that you're less lovable because of it, which is actually wrong. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, it's so important. Like, even as I'm hearing this to these, these are important things to remind, remind ourselves of pivoting slightly. So, so as you built Simplero, like is what today, what you've built today, Kind of what you envisioned thirteen years ago. Um, 
Great question. Yes. In many ways, I've learned a lot more about the business side of things and, and including it. And when I say that, I mean, including what does the industry need? What do typical coaches or, or educators, course creators need? Um, I had to learn. I've, I've learned a lot over the years and that business has evolved. So in that sense, the product has evolved, but the, the, the essential energy of it, um, has stayed the same. And actually, I happen to believe that companies have a soul and products have a soul. It's like we catch that inspiration and we choose to be the one that, that brings that into existence. And I did that, that very intentionally early on of like, what is, what is the soul of this product? Like, what is it that it wants me? Like, I'm just the vehicle. I'm just the, the, the steward, the shepherd that helps bring it to life. What is it that he really wants to be? And that stay, stayed very true over the years. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, it's like when we think about brand, it's really the emotional relationship that a customer or a person has outside of the company with that company. Mm-hmm. So it's, so you can almost think of in this case, I would define soul as the space between who the customer is and their perception of the company and then who and then sort of like what the company is and, and how it offers. And it's like in that space between you get sort of a sense of identity. Mm. Like you get a um and it's an interesting thing because as a as a business owner, we get to influence and create it, but at the same time as you say, there's there's an element of it where it sort of takes on its own life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people might interact with it and they might experience something that's slightly different or, you know, unexpected. And as a result, it, the the that middle part kind of gets uh painted in different colors and different, you know, mm-hmm. different perspectives. And it's it's a it's it's a fascinating thing. I'm really fascinated by Brian itself. And now do you think um without getting too like meta Physical is that the right word? Or without without getting too like, do you think about it in the same sense that you think about your like your own soul, or do you think about it more as like a like soul, as in like music has got soul? I think of it more as it's an actual energetic entity. Think about like I'm a songwriter as well, and you get this like, inspiration for a song, and then you can either grab it in that moment and actually write it down and and make it happen, make it a, make it a song. Like you, you kind of pull the thread to see what the song wants to become. And then you, you, you write it out or you can let it go. And then the song is going to zip around the planet and find some other person who is going to bother to sit down to write it out. That's how I think of it. Yeah. And that, but once you grab it and you're like, okay, no, I'm going to fucking take this idea and build something and do something with it. Like you got it. It's yours. It's interesting. It's, it seems like whenever there's like really brilliant ideas, it seems like those ideas are happening at the same time. Like if you look at the telephone, it was being patented by different people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've seen this so many times. I remember when we originally came up with some of the concepts around um, like version one of Street Text. And there was stuff that we, we had like in our internal rooms were like struggling through these product like solutions. And then you go to a trade show and there's another company. And you've never heard of them in your life before, but they had the same idea and they did it the same way mm. at the same time. And you're both at the forefront, the pioneers of the space. And you're like, how is that possible? Mm. And it's kind of like what you're saying, those pocket of ideas that are almost like out there and they're floating around. And it's like, it's like, you know, they're, they're almost like waiting to land somewhere. But then there's other ideas. Like, have you, have you learned? Um, I saw the documentary on uh, Tesla, Nicholas Tesla. Mm-hmm. And, Okay, it's it's very fascinating. And basically, it was a considered an impossibility to have AC uh, alternating current that could then drive a motor. And the reason it was considered an impossibility, it was just like a, it was just a known scientific impossibility. And all our electrical grids today, you know, spoiler alert, are AC, like all of them. Because DC has a very short distance that it can travel before it needs to, like before it dissipates, basically. And, uh, and the way that, that, uh, Nicholas Tesla came up with the concept of a motor that was driven by, um, AC and, and the whole concept of the AC generator is so fascinating. But he literally, he literally, like as a young man, 
like thought about it and 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 thought about it until it actually like materialized as an idea in his mind. And then once it materialized as an idea in his mind in Europe, he then flew over to the United States because he wants to meet with um, Edison because he's so excited. He thinks if I can share this with Edison, because the reality is he he had, I would say that was the greatest scientific um, discovery for like the economic booms that would come out of it. Out of all of the the scientific discoveries we have, like electricity, like without electricity <laughs> being um, prevalent, yeah. like yeah, this ain't happening, right? And and when he presented it to Edison, like I, maybe it was over Edison's head because Edison solved problems to trial and error, but like he didn't jump on it, and so it ended up that um, Tesla ended up obviously selling it to another company, and there's a the big. Uh, but history, like history, is has unfolded, and we now know, like AC current, like alternating current, is 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 the reason we have what we have today, and it became a good trillion dollar enterprise, massive. But what are some of the challenges you faced early on that you or that you faced while building your business that you didn't foresee, and and how have you sort of overcome those? I mean, the main thing was like when I finally started to realize that there are all these people teaching you how to actually run a business, how to actually build a team and run your business and organize things. I was so, so naive about all those things. I had no idea. Like SOPs, what's that? Like I hate SOPs because I'm the artist, right? Now I'm like, Fucking love SOPs. <laughs> but, but, I mean, so many of the things I had no, I had no idea what I was getting into. When I started, um, my plan was that I was going to work for, I was like, I'm going to work for this company and kind of learn product and going to work for this company and learn marketing. And then, then I'll eventually start my own company. My dad, who was an entrepreneur, he didn't teach me any of this stuff. Dad, come on. But anyway, my dad, he was like, no, 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 son, you just, just, Jump into it. You'll figure it out as you go. And then I jumped into it, started my company. And then, and then like three, four years into it, he was like, yeah, that probably wasn't such good of advice. <laughs> but because <laughs> I was actually, I actually had a lot of success right very early, but then I struggled for a long time because of all of this. It's always an inner game thing. It's always an inner game thing. And, and I was struggling so much with. Well, my self-worth and opinions. I had so many opinions and stuff about shit that I didn't know anything about. Not knowing what I didn't know. Yeah, I totally relate. So if you were to meet yourself 20 years ago, what advice would you give yourself then, knowing what you know now? I would tell him that he's awesome. All of his dreams are going to come true. That he has, to, But he has to believe in himself. And feel worthy of it and focus. What does feeling worthy mean? Feel worthy of receiving it. So go right to that place, like and 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 talk about feeling that like like I don't deserve to have that that feeling. Let's put words to it. Let's put the spotlight of conscious awareness on it so we know it's happening, so we know it's there. And now we have a choice. So we can say, all right, I have that feeling. I'm willing to let go. I, I, one of the things that I, I love visualization for this reason, you visualize the thing that you actually dream of. I, I believe that, that God gives us desire for whatever it is for sex. So we can make babies, right? For, for creating things, for creating businesses, for having material things. It's awesome. It's great. It's divine. The desire is, is, it tells us our future. And now when we visualize actually having that, usually something negative comes up like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not worthy or I'm wrong. I'm flawed. Like I would be disloyal to my family if I did this because we're not that kind or, or I would be a burden to people. Like all of these. Gay Hendricks calls it upper limits, or Tony Robbins calls it neuroassociative conditionings. All of these beliefs come up that say, uh-oh, I can't actually have the thing that I envision because I would I feel terrible when I actually visualize it. That's why visualization is so important. 
because it forces all that stuff up to the surface. And now we can deal with it. And the way we deal with it is usually basically just feel and see, right? See it really clearly, conscious eye, just be aware of it. A lot of times that's all that's needed. Feel whatever the feelings are that comes up, feel them, and then they will move through, through, and, and that takes care of almost all of it. Yeah, that, that's very wise. So, Calvin, I super appreciate you. Like, I, I love the journey that you're on. And um, I, I just think this is super cool. I, I want to, so we, we're going to do a part two because I really want to dive into sort of the behind the scenes story of uh, Simplero. Like, 13 years is a long run, right? So it's like there's, there's, there's battles you face, there's things you've, you've, you've gone through. And, um, and what you've built now is something that is, um, you know, it's something that's very cool. And I, and I hope you're very proud of it because I, I, I think you're doing really, really good work. And I, yeah. So again, just thank you, man. I really appreciate you, appreciate being on this, this podcast. And if I had more time, I would just keep going because I know whoever's listening, like they're thinking the same thing. This Amazing. Is interesting. Thank you, Jonathan. Yeah. We didn't even yeah. touch on all the health stuff that we were talking about before. So well, let's do a follow up. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Um, it's great to know you. And I just want to say here on the air too, when I had my mountain bike crash in Kelowna last year in June, you were you were really there for me. I, know, I really, really appreciate it with your your prayers and your 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 just your love. You're such a good you're such a good soul. I really appreciate you, man. Wow, man. That's cool. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you're so healthy. <laughs> God, I was I was worried. <laughs> Okay, so how how do people find you? Yeah, so for um, main place to follow me is Instagram. Um, that's where I'm the most active these days. Um, and um, I wanted to share. I actually have a a model. I was coaching with my high ticket coaching clients in Simplar Academy today on my framework around this whole thing about being you and sharing that with the world. So if anybody wants that, in um, I'm happy to share that with you. Just DM me on Instagram. Uh, DM me BU, um, and I'll send it to you. Uh, and then, um, simplero.com. If you're in the coaching info business, check out simplero.com and we would love to work with you. That's so awesome. Thanks, Calvin. Such a good time. Appreciate you, man. <laughs>